0: Son of Man comes, will he find faith on Earth? That's a haunting question. Since the first chapter. I remind you that we're looking at the three great thoughts right now that Paul presents to us concerning Jesus Christ. Last week, we looked at the big thought that he is the image of the invisible God, that in Jesus Christ, we see what cannot be seen and that uh, Jesus comes to us and that the fullness of God and the full deity of Christ. So we, we looked at that last week. This morning, we look at the second part of verse 15, that Jesus Christ is the firstborn of all creation. And then next week we will look at the third big thought, which is that Jesus Christ is the head of the body, the church, and that uh, the collection of believers in Jesus Christ banded together, bonded together, unified by the power of God's Holy Spirit, uh, it takes its life, its cue, its direction, its purpose, its meaning everything from Jesus Christ. And so uh, that's where we are looking at those three big thoughts about Jesus Christ. This morning, uh, we look at the second one of those, and that is that Jesus Christ is the firstborn of all creation. Um, I'm, I'm sure you have some places in the world that you like to go just to get away from things. For some people, it's the mountains. Uh, they like to get up on the summit of mountains and look at the peaks across the way and, and just enjoy looking at the, the trees, perhaps if they're there, or, or rock formations. Whatever it is, you just just love looking at, at, at the mountains. Other people like to go to the beach. Uh, they, they like to look out over the ocean. Uh, we sit on the boardwalk. Uh, my bare feet have not touched the beach sand in over 20 years, but we like to sit on the boardwalk and look out over the ocean and see the movement of the water and the waves. I'm going to confess uh, that I kind of like it when there's a storm system close by. I don't want to be in the middle of it but I want to be on the edge of it so you get those nice rolling clouds that just speak of the energy and the power of the wind and the waves are sort of whipping up and they're getting uh, with the white caps and, I, and, and I, just, I just like to see that as as, it's, as it comes rolling in. Other people like to go to the desert and look at dead things But you know, we we look out at the the world around us, at the creation around us, and you've got to have a pretty hard heart to remain silent, because if you truly drink in the beauty and the wonder of what God has made, you're just going to sing. You're going to sing out, then sings my soul, my Savior, my God to thee, how great thou art. You look out over the wonder, the beauty of creation, but it's not just there. You know? Some people like to visit the cities and I understand that you're looking at the buildings and the architecture and, and all that and you say, wait a minute, that's man made. Where do you think people get the ability to make buildings? Where do you think they've got the ability to understand the mathematics of proportion and and design? Where do you think creativity comes from at all, if not from the Creator? And so I even look at city landscapes, and I see the buildings, and and I see the, the, the wondrous constructions that have been made there, and I just think, God is glorious. He is absolutely majestic and glorious. You see, one of the things the Bible teaches us, and in fact teaches us on the very first page, is that God is the creator and we are the creation. And there's a difference between the two. Because God is creator and we are creation, all creation owes God worship and adoration and obedience. We are designed, we are created to give God our creator the glory. And you know, the opening pages of Scripture says, in the beginning, God created the heaven and earth. And then it says the earth was without form and void, and the Spirit of God was hovering face of the deep. That means the Holy Spirit was just filling God's creation. He didn't create the world and the heaven and the earth and wind it up like a clock and put it on a shelf, and he went over to to, to do something else, and now the world is sitting here running by itself. No, when God created the heaven and the earth, he put his Holy Spirit present in his creation to guide his creation unto himself. But then you remember what verse 3 says. Galatians chapter 1 verse 3, And God said, let there be light. Over and over again. And God said, the Word of God. See, you find the Trinity in the first three verses of the Bible. You can't get three verses into the Bible without finding the Father, the Son, and the Holy Holy Spirit. Together, Father, Holy Spirit, and Son is the order. But but, God said, let there be light. And John picks up on that if, if just very quickly. We'll be back to Colossians in just one second. But in, in uh, uh, John's gospel, the first chapter, the first three verses, says, In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. We looked at that last week. I mean, it's it's pretty hard to avoid the conclusion that the Word is God and that Jesus Christ, who is the Word of God, is is God, shares in the fullness of deity. He was in the beginning with God. But then in verse 3, all things were made through him, and without him was not anything made that was made. Everything in the world around you points you to Jesus Christ. Now, I started thinking about that this week, and I said, well, how, how can that be? So I, I did a little experiment. I, I actually, I stood outside the, 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 the church doors over here, and I looked across the way, and I looked at a tree. Now, folks, I know almost nothing about trees. You know, I'm the guy who once said I have a maple oak in my, uh, in my yard. <laughs> but I just started looking at the tree. You know, trees are funny things. They've got these, these leaves. They're really tiny leaves for this big tree, but you've got a lot of them and they're up there in the air and they're, they're pulling in the light and down underneath are these root systems pulling in the water and the nutrients and these trees are just growing in massive kinds of things and i'm looking at that tree and i'm saying to myself now what does this teach me about god the more i looked at that tree the more i decided he's one great god he's one great god who can design a tree and a cat tail and a uh, and a uh, and frogs, and moths. We've got some nice moths out here, just really nice ones. They look exactly like leaves. If you look close, you can find them. But I look at that, and I say, you know, what, what a marvelous work God does of creation. And that's what God designed the world to do. You know, when you get home and you look at those weeds in your garden, I want you to say, praise God how glorious God is to design something so ugly that can grow in my flower bed." And then as you pull it out, you say, Thank you, God, for the strength to rip it out of the world. But God deserves the glory. He deserves the praise. And whether you're looking at the mountains or the ocean or the desert, whether you're looking at buildings, whether you're looking at trees and moths, we give God the praise and the honor and the glory for his creation. But you know, there's something wonderful about human beings. You just see there reflected the majesty of God. Do you know how many different ways there are to get sick? There's about a bazillion, zillion different ways to be sick. It's amazing that any of us are healthy at all. You know, and if you've got a little cold, big deal. You, you, you've only got one out of the bazillion, bazillion, you know. I mean, we are wonderfully and fearfully made. You look at the intricacies of, of, of anatomy. But, but even more than that, did you know that all over the world, mothers love their babies? Unless it's been driven out of them and they've been taught a lie. But the natural instinct of a mother is to love her baby. Before that baby's born, by the way. All over the world, you see this picture of what God designed us to do. sometimes distorted by by the willfulness and sinfulness of man, sometimes perverted, but but that, that longing desire to love a child, to love a baby. God is glorious and absolutely marvelous. And that's what he did. In the beginning, God created the heaven and the earth. The Spirit was hovering over the face of the deep. And God said his word, and by the power of his word, creation came into existence. Now, the problem is that our first parents decided they had a better plan. They decided that, well, you don't really need the Creator in order to function in creation. And so we really don't have to listen to the Creator in order to know what to do with, for example, the fruit of the tree of knowledge of good and evil. And so uh, it, it looks good to eat and, and it'll probably make us wise and it, it's really desirable. Well, let's try it. And so they went their own way and took God's creation and used it for their own selfish purposes, leaving the Creator out. Folks, that's the uh, definition of sin, and that's why we've got problems today. That's why there are so many uh, places today that do not love God and serve God. That's why there are so many people today who want to have nothing to do with God. That's why you see this absolute nonsense about women's health being all about killing babies. I mean, that is simply nuts because we've rejected the Creator and we are trying to get along and use His creation on our own. And so because of our sin, there's a fallen creation. And Paul says in Romans chapter 8, he says, look, all of creation is groaning. All of creation is groaning, waiting for the revelation of the sons of God. What he means by that is when Jesus comes, it's all put right again. There's a new heaven and there's a new earth. And when Jesus comes again, this creation starts doing what it was always designed to do, and that is to give the Father eternal praise and glory through his Son Jesus Christ by the power of the Holy Spirit. So the whole creation is groaning. And that's why the wonder of the sea and the beauty beauty of the sea turns into tsunamis and kills and wipes out entire villages. That's why mountains quake and fall upon uh, folks and kill them. That's 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 why there's such calamity in the world and all has to do with the fallen nature of the human race, polluting God's creation with our sin. But in the beginning, God created it, and he created it for his glory. Now, to Colossians, Paul says, I know it's here. It was here a moment ago. Jesus Christ is the firstborn of all creation. Now, don't get hung up on that word firstborn. Some people say, well, firstborn, that, that means that there was a time when he was not, and so he was born and started to exist, so, so somehow Jesus came into existence. No, that's not what the word firstborn means in this context. The Greek word there, "prototokos," was used to describe the status of the firstborn son. And in fact, in Psalm chapter 89, Psalm 89, verse 27 Uh, God says that he will make David the firstborn among kings. he's not saying that, well, David, I'm going to have you be born again. Uh, Well, he might have, but you know, I'm going to have, I'm going to have you come into existence and you'll just be chronologically ahead of the rest of the kings. What he meant was you'll be the firstborn of all the kings. You will be in ascendancy. You will be above all the kings and all the kings will have to serve you. That's in the the Septuagint, the Greek translation of the Old Testament, uh, the word prototokos is used there. That's the word used here. And so when Paul says he's the firstborn of all creation, he says this, Jesus Christ is above beyond and before all creation and all of creation points to him and all of creation is to glorify him in fact he he works that out he sort of teases out uh, what he means by that in the subsequent verse 16 by him all things were created by him all things were created i wish we could go into greek grammar right now it it makes my eyes glaze over but it's really important here there's um Five or six different prepositions that could be used to say Jesus or, or the creation was created by him. Uh, the, word, the one that's used here, uh, the particular Greek preposition, means this that Jesus Christ created as the agent of creation, but he did not do it apart from the Father. The particular preposition used here um, is, is used uh, to highlight that the Father and the Son, and by the way, the Holy Spirit are all one, working together in creation. See, it's not as though so, Jesus said, I, I think I'll make the world, and then he goes up and says, Hey, look, look, Father, I made a world. I made a universe. What do you think? No, it was one will of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit to bring creation to, into existence. So that's, that's what that word by means in, in the Greek uh, grammar uh, of things. By him all things were created in heaven and earth. That means in the whole universe. The entire universe exists for the glory of God in Jesus Christ. Hop on your, your, uh, your spaceship, you know, your Star Trek uh, Enterprise and go into hyperspace and travel a bazillion, zillion, bazillion, zillion miles um, from, from earth and Jesus Christ will be Lord. Go into the depths of the sea. We didn't even talk about the wonders that are beneath beneath the the surface of the ocean, but go into the depths of the sea, down into Mariana's Trench. When you get to the lowest spot on earth that science knows about, Jesus Christ is Lord. Travel anywhere in this country and Jesus Christ is Lord. Doesn't matter if anybody recognizes it or not, someday they will. Now, the day is coming when all of creation is going to cry out, Jesus Christ is Lord. Every knee's going to bow. Every tongue's going to confess. Jesus Christ is Lord. This is the purpose of all creation. And so it was all created by him. It was created by him, whether heaven and earth whether things visible and invisible. We talked a little bit about that last week. Whether thrones or dominions or rulers or authorities. Now, those words had a specific meaning for the uh, Colossian readers, the Colossian believers who first read this text. Uh, When they read about thrones and, and rulers and dominions and authorities, they had it in their mind that there were a lot of different sort of authorities floating around out there. Some of them they thought were demonic. Some of them thought that they were um, uh, sort of spiritual hierarchies of of, of beings and so forth. And this is what they've been taught by their culture. And what Paul says is this. He said, look, whatever you think, Jesus Christ is Lord over that, you know. Jesus Christ is Lord. He's Lord over science. I love science. Do you know what science does? science studies the brushwork of god science can tell you what colors were used and maybe what what direction the brush stroke went in but science can't tell you who the artist is we know because it's been told to us it was all created by jesus christ psychology is not lord jesus christ is lord you know i'm I'm, I'm a believer in psychology look You are all nuts in some way. (laughs) See, if I said we, you would have said, yeah, 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 yeah. No, you're nuts. Come on. Almost everybody would benefit from counseling. But psychology is not Lord. Medical science is not Lord. You know, doctors never heal anybody. We talked about that last week. Doctors create an environment in which God's healing takes place. But if God doesn't heal, there's no healing. And on and on it goes. So whatever you're thinking about, whatever you thought was the most important thing in the world to run your life, whether you thought it was your peer group, your friends, your gang, whether you thought it was your culture or whether you thought it was a political ideology, whatever you thought it was that was ruling and, and able to rule in life, let me tell you something, Jesus Christ is Lord. And these things are nothing apart from him. Absolutely nothing. See, now, if you're you're a Colossian Christian and you're reading this for the first time, remember, you're living in that that city of Colossae that's awfully murky and it's awfully confused. And and you're getting messages from all different places about what's cool and what's in and what you should do and what you should not do and what's acceptable and what's not acceptable. And you're living with all this stuff. Hard to believe, but people actually lived in environments like that. And, And Paul's writing this to say, look, Jesus Christ, the firstborn of all creation, He... Alone reigns sovereign over this world. And as a believer in Jesus Christ, you rejoice at that news because you give yourself entirely, totally, completely to Him. And so He's the firstborn over things, whether the thrones or dominions, rulers or authorities. All things were created through Him and all things were created for Him. Everything that exists exists for the glory of God's grace in Christ Jesus. That's why you exist. You were created by him, through him, and for him. So, you know, the next time you're wondering, what should I do, what should I do? Glorify Jesus Christ in your life. How's this going to work out? As long as Jesus Christ is glorified, that's enough. See how you get clarity? You're not not being pulled in a hundred different directions now. Now now you can just sort of focus in on what matters and and, and the only thing that matters, and that's Jesus Christ, the sovereign Lord over all creation. Uh, Paul then, uh, verse 17, very quickly draws that out. He is before all things, and in him all things hold together. You do know the universe is trying to blow itself apart, don't you? You do know that in every atom... There's this contradictory thing called protons and electrons floating around together and all the protons are sort of clumped together. You know what protons try to do? Get away from each other. What's holding them together? Well, I'm seeing eyes glaze over. Just trust me on this one. You know, the four, the, the, the four forces, the weak, the strong nuclear force, electromagnetism, and, and gravity, all these things are just so finely balanced. If any one of those four forces in the, in the atom was different than it is, the whole universe would explode on the spot. Somebody was awfully smart to think up a way to hold it together. You know. And it all exists for the glory of God. He is, Jesus Christ is, before it all, And he holds it all together. They all adhere. They all hold together in him. Now the fool says, there's no God. Fool says, this universe, that's all there is. Just this stuff, that's all there is. How did it start? Well, it started with a big bang. A lot to say for the theory, the big bang theory, and all that other business. Not the show. But I always want to ask, who lit the fuse? And the answer comes back. A couple of the junior high school boys. I'm, you know, confused. You know, just to say, well, it all happened by big accident. It was a combination, big bangs, black holes, antimatter, matter, you know, all this together. The fool says, there's no God involved in this. It happened all by itself because that that person is a fool because now they have to turn to the person they loved most and say, you know, you're just an accident and you have no purpose and you have no meaning. There's there's no real reason for you to be there because science can't talk about purpose. Did you notice that every human being longs for purpose? It's It's one of the evidences for the existence of God. We all long for him. Don't know it, but we do. And so it all holds together in Jesus Christ. And without him, it just it just obliterates itself instantaneously. The fool says there's no God doing all this. It's just a big accident. So what? Guys, how about if next Valentine's Day you send your wife a card? Dear wife, so what? <laughs> You'll start to believe in God real quick, right? there. <laughs> the wrath of God is what to do. And then the cynic says, well, there may be a, co- a God, but he doesn't really care. He's absent. He's out there somewhere. We're, we're just doing our own thing. How sad. How sad. And then the boastful heart says, there may be a God, but I don't need him how wrong, how wrong. You see, Jesus Christ is the firstborn of all creation. He is Lord and sovereign, and he is the one who has brought it into being, and, it, and we all exist, the whole universe exists for his sake and for his glory. Now, Jesus demonstrated that in his life. When he cast out demons, what he was demonstrating was his power over thrones and rulers and dominions and authorities. That, that, that was the object lesson of casting out the demons. Yes, to help the person who was suffering out of love and compassion, but the larger lesson was that Jesus Christ has power over those things that demonically enslave us and distort our lives. He has all authority because he is the firstborn of all creation. But then also, and and, and we'll end with this and then come to the Lord's table, in the Gospel of Mark. And I'll, I'll read this for you. This is in Mark 4, verse 35. Says, On that day, when evening had come, he said to them, Let us go across to the other side. And leaving the crowd, they took him with them in the boat, just as he was. And other boats were with him. And a great windstorm arose, and the waves were breaking into the boat, so that the boat was already filling. Now, this account. This uh, incident in the life of Christ has so many things to teach us. We're just going to look at one of them uh, this morning. The boat was already filling, verse 38, but he was in the stern asleep on the cushion. They woke him and they said to him, Teacher, do you not care that we are perishing? Jesus, you're not living up to the advertisement. Jesus, you're not taking care of your end of the bargain. If you're going to be prototacus, Protodocus of, of, of creation, then why is it that you're sleeping and we're about to drown? Jesus, don't you care? I'm sorry, my head has just gone into a whole nother sermon. I'll, I'll, I'll try to give it to you in one sentence. Oh, yes, he cares. I know he cares. His heart is touched with our grief. And the, may, and the days may be weary. And the long night might be dreary. But I know, I know my Savior cares. That's for free. Don't you care that we are perishing? And he awoke and rebuked the wind. And he said to the sea, peace be still. He said to the ocean, Get over yourself. Calm down. Just stop it. Thank you, Bob. And the wind ceased, and there was a great calm. And he said to them, Why are you so afraid? Have you still no faith? They didn't even get little faith. They, they got no faith. In verse 41, They were filled with great fear, and they said to one another, Who then is this that even the wind and the sea obey him. Who is this who has sovereign authority over the wind and the sea? Who is this who is Prototicus, firstborn of all creation? Who is this guy? And this morning that's a question you need to answer. Who is this guy? Maybe you've never asked Jesus into your heart as Lord and Savior. You've never come to that moment where you've acknowledged him And embraced him and put your faith in him uh, for forgiveness of your sins and for the new life that he creates in you maybe you've never done that this morning I would challenge you to answer the question who is this man the wind and the sea obey him the thrones the rulers the dominions and the authorities obey him all of creation obeys him who is this man perhaps you're a believer but uh, Jesus to you is just someone you talk about in Sunday school or maybe mention uh, in, in church settings, but you go through your life basically ignoring him, I want to ask you this morning, who is this man to you? Who is this man? Because once you get that conviction in your heart that this man is prototokos he is firstborn of all creation, he is sovereign, and he is Lord, then your life gets real clear real fast. And the purpose and the direction of your life gets real clear, real fast. We're about to come to the table that reminds us that Jesus gave his life for us. The one who is firstborn over all creation was put to death because of our sin. And his body was broken, his blood was shed so that you and I might have life, have it abundantly by the power of his resurrection but as we come to this table this morning who is this man that even the wind and the sea obey him let's bow for prayer father in heaven I just thank you for the gift of the spirit that opens our eyes to see the world around us as a tabernacle of your praise as a place where you are to be honored and adored. Father, I pray for the continuing work of your Spirit to bring us to that place where with joy, with real excitement, we would serve Christ and make his name known, exalted among the nations. Father, let your Holy Spirit work among us, move us, draw us ever closer to you. I ask it in the name of Jesus. Amen.